Jesus wants his people to be confident about prayer. In fact, so confident that they will always pray and not give up. Which is why Jesus told this parable. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's kind of say that's a gift for a preacher. You know what the sermon application is? You know what the application is for the sermon? It's for you to always pray and not give up. And straight away, though, isn't that an encouragement for those of us who struggle to be disciplined in prayer? The Lord Jesus knows that his disciples will struggle to persevere in prayer. And what is more, in his mercy, he has given us this parable to empower us to be consistent prayers. Now, this section really begins in chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is being quizzed by some Pharisees about the coming of God's kingdom. When will it come, they ask. But Jesus doesn't satisfy their curiosity. Instead, he tells them how one day he will return as God's ruling king. It won't be like his first coming, which only a few people knew about, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, uh, wise men, everyone will know about it. Verse 24, it will be like lightning. You can't miss it. And on that day when Jesus returns, there will be a, a great division. So look at uh, verse uh, 34. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding corn together. One will be taken and the other left. Two people in the office. Two people shopping at Sainsbury's. One will be taken, the other left. So the big question we're left at the end of chapter 17 is, when Jesus returns, who's going to be taken to heaven to be with Jesus? And who's going to be left behind for judgment? And the whole of chapter 18 is taken up, actually, with Jesus' answer. In chapter 18, we're given some of the marks of true believers. Those who are ready and waiting for Jesus' return. And this first parable tells us that one of those marks is being a persistent prayer. The mark of being a real believer, a genuine Christian, is that I'll keep on praying and not give up. And to encourage his disciples to be persistent prayers, Jesus told this parable about an unjust judge and a helpless widow. Now, I've got two headings for us uh, this morning. And the first is this. God is not like the unjust judge. God is not like the unjust judge. Now, we're used to watching legal dramas on the box. And... uh, The scene for this drama is laid out for us in verse 2, where we're introduced to the judge. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. I don't know whether any of you have been to court. I won't get people to put up their hand. It might be somewhat embarrassing. But if you have, you you may have noticed uh, on the wall behind uh, the the judge, the the, royal crest 
on which there's an inscription in French, Dieu et mon droit, which means translated, God and my right. And it's a very good inscription to have in a courtroom because true justice is all about God's standards and the individual's need. Those are two things on which a judge ought to be focusing on right and wrong, as God determines it, and the individual's needs. But this judge, verse 2, neither feared God nor cared what people thought. What a disaster to have a judge who doesn't care about justice. So locals who brought cases to court for arbitration groaned when they saw that the judge was sitting on the the bench. They wouldn't get a fair look in. But then in verse 3, we are introduced to the second character in our drama. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Now again, like the judge, we don't know much about uh, her except that she's a widow And there is a dispute in which she has been wronged. But the judge is not interested in hearing her case. It was a trifling matter to him. It didn't concern him. And this woman was a nuisance, so he dismissed her out of hand. He couldn't care less. But this widow is persistent. Day after day, she comes to court to present her case. When the judge arrives, she's there. And when he leaves, she's still there crying out for justice. Day after day, he ignores her. But then suddenly, there is a breakthrough. The judge finally gives in, and the plaintiff widow wins her case. The judge has had enough. He can't take any more of her. And you can sense his frustration in verse 4. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Yet because this uh, widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so she won't eventually come and attack me. I mean, his words give his character away. He is totally self-obsessed. His character is godless, and his only motive is self-interest. When he says, um, you know, uh, uh, um, talks about, uh, I'll see that she gets justice, says you won't eventually come and attack me. Uh, literally, says I'll give her justice, says she won't um, give me a black eye. I don't think the judge is thinking that, the, that she's worried that the widow will come and hit him with her handbag. It's more a case that she has sown worn him out with a pleading, that he's got kind of black bags under his eyes. And the point Jesus wants us to grasp is that God is not like this unjust judge. It's the contrast he wants us to see. He explicitly says it there in verse 6. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him, day and night. Will he keep putting them off? Now, I take it that Jesus speaks about an unjust judge because he's worried that his disciples 
might be in danger of misunderstanding the character of God. He's worried that they, that we, might slip into the trap of thinking that God could in some way be like the unjust judge. Because actually, if you remember, that is what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They believed the devil's lie that God was not after their good. (laughs) And they didn't have their best interests at heart. And it's possible, actually, for us to degenerate and think of God like that, especially, actually, if we've been praying for something for a long time. Perhaps you've been uh, praying about a difficult relationship at work or in the family or somebody who's ill or about a particular struggle with temptation or depression or some other kind of ongoing chronic thing. You've been doing what the Bible asks you, you to do, to cast all your anxiety on God, and yet God hasn't answered your prayers. And if you're honest, you've begun to wonder, what's the point? God's so distant, so detached. God may have time for other people, but I don't even think he's got time for me. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Because what Jesus has been teaching us about God is that God is not like the unjust judge. Have a look again at verse 6 and and 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. What is it Jesus wants us to be praying for? And who are God's chosen ones who keep crying out to him? Well, friends, Jesus actually already answered that uh, question back in chapter 11 of Luke's Gospel. Don't uh, bother to turn to it because you actually already know it. (laughs) In fact, we've already prayed it. It's the Lord's Prayer. This is what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. The chosen ones are those who belong to God actually only show that they belong to God by following Jesus. And what is the prayer of God's people? Well, it is our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Friends, do you realize that whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying, among other things, for Jesus' return. We are praying for justice. We are asking for Jesus to come and bring in the day of judgment. We're asking for him to put all that is wrong in the world right and actually to put all that is wrong in my life right. And those prayers, as we pray them, they have been heard and they are being answered, and they will be answered finally and perfectly when Jesus the King returns. The other day I sent an email to somebody, uh, but I didn't receive a, a reply, and I got very agitated because it was quite important. And why hadn't they replied? And it's very easy for us to think of prayer like that. Why hasn't God answered? 
why haven't I got through? Is it because I've done something wrong? Uh, why, why the delay in answering my prayers? And Jesus is promising here that God will grant his people vindication and justice and quickly. It is quickly going to come when Jesus comes. But God can't put all wrong right yet. Why? But because Jesus hasn't yet returned to the world as king. See, the New Testament makes it abundantly clear that the only reason for the delay is to give the world an opportunity to repent. Because when Jesus does come to put all wrong right, he will do it properly. He will punish all sin and evil in the world and remove it completely and establish a new heaven, a new world, where there will be perfect justice. And in the meantime, as Christian people, we wait for Jesus, our King, being about his business, often enduring hardship, but calling on him to return and to vindicate us. So that is the first point. God is not like the unjust judge. And so we come to the second point that Jesus wants us to understand, which is this. The Christian is not like the desolate widow. See, if this parable was ever televised, the director would make it a real tearjerker. I mean, here is the sad story of a lonely, helpless widow with no status before a judge who is heartless enough not to be bothered. And she really is a desolate. She, she has no husband to look out for her, and it appears uh, no children. There was no protection in those days or financial support. That is why she's so desperate to win her case. There's no sort of social security, no national health service, no state earnings-related uh, pension. She is alone and desolate. She has no standing before this judge at all. Justice is on her side. But what good is that before a judge who is unjust? But look how the Christian is described in verse 7. <laughs> We're not desolate. We are God's chosen ones. The New Testament is clear that we become God's people, not because we have chosen him, but because he has chosen us. God is a God who picks his own people for his own reasons and makes them his treasured possession, his beloved children. The Bible is equally clear that the kingdom of God is open to all who will trust in Jesus. But Jesus reminds his disciples that God's people are a chosen people to bolster their assurance. See, when we pray, we can pray with absolute confidence that God is interested in us. He has chosen us to belong to him. We are his children. God will answer the prayers of his people who cry out to him day and night. He has to. He has to. Because far from being an unjust judge, God is a loving father who will honor his name by keeping his chosen people. 
So those are our two points for this morning. God is not like the unjust judge. Christians are not like the desolate widow. But this parable doesn't end with a note of confidence, but with a note of challenge. It's almost as if Jesus can imagine the, the sorts of things that will be going through our mind tomorrow morning. Does it really matter if I skip my quiet time this morning? If I don't persist in praise, see, I get so distracted, I find it so tough. There's so much to do, life is so busy, especially during term time. Does it really make matter if I make time to pray today? <laughs> and the answer is, yeah, it does matter. In fact, nothing could matter more. You see, look at the end of verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's a surprising way to end the parable. So given that we began in verse 1 with encouragement to pray, we'd expect Jesus to say, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find people praying? But he doesn't. He says, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? Why is that? Well, I think it is because in Jesus' eyes, persistent prayer is the characteristic of genuine faith. See, when Jesus returns in glory to judge the world and to rescue and vindicate his people, I think what the challenge that Jesus is saying is, will he find us as real believers? And, and, and the way in which he will know is, is whether we are persistent prayers. See, heartfelt, persistent prayer is the hallmark of a true and living faith. It's not that God judges us by our prayers or accepts us by how prayerful we are. No, it's just simply that my prayer life will demonstrate where my trust is. And if I'm not praying persistently, then clearly whatever my faith is in... (laughs) It's not in God. Now, it may well be, if we're honest, that some of us have really given up praying. It's not that we don't pray, we do pray, but we've given up praying consistently and regularly and intentionally. We don't pray as we ought because actually... We've drifted. Can I say, if that's you, if that's me, our motivation to change, it lies in the gospel. Friends, you don't need to go away from here in despair. (laughs) Far from it. I don't need to go away because I'm going to give up. I just need to come back to the glorious news of the Christian message. You see, many... Christian paperbacks on prayer would have followed verse 1 with a whole host of do's and don'ts on prayer and helpful tips. Now, can I say, now, helpful tips do have their place, and we can learn from other people's experience of prayer and how they organize their prayer life. But a list of do's and don'ts and endless examples of other people praying will most probably just lead us to despair and to guilt. 
But Jesus, when he wants to teach his disciples to pray and not give up, simply motivates them by reminding them of the character of God and of their status before him. Jesus tells them, he tells us the gospel. (laughs) Don't you see, he says, that you're God's chosen people? He loves you. Don't you see that he cares for you? He's not an unjust judge. Because when we're gripped by these truths, when we have understood what God is like and who we are before God, then that will fuel our faith, which will in turn be expressed in persistent prayer. So while the application of this morning's sermon is, (laughs) yeah, we've got it, the first one, you know, we've been told by Luke what it is, to always pray and not give up. Actually, the more radical application is to refocus our thinking about the character of God. He's not like the unjust judge. We are not like the desolate desolate widow. And if we think about that this week, I suspect we'll just find ourselves longing to pray. Longing to lay out our heart and the needs of the world before our Heavenly Father. As we cry to him, as we look at the situations in our life, as we look at situations in the world and what's happening in Gaza, Yemen, we we cry out to him, Lord, come, sort this out. Please, Lord, do what you will do. And we know if you're delaying, it's only because you want more people to come to you. And then we give ourselves to his work of reaching and saving the lost in this time of grace that we now live in, before Christ returns and brings the curtain down on human history and ushers into that, us into the new creation when we will experience the vindication of God. Let's have a moment of quiet now to pray our own prayers to our Heavenly Father.